full week, say, with uh <clears throat> we see we this can you raise that up yeah. just a little bit more? We see uh a couple we see you know like four or five beers in a month. Hmm. And sometimes they explode. Yeah, I'm sorry I heard that's one of the ones I listened to, <laughs> it wasn't the last one with the exploded the exploded beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh fortunately it was packed correctly so it wasn't a complete disaster, but uh yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing is, is that I don't ask for beer. Sometimes it just shows up. And uh, for a while, I uh, accidentally lost a whole lot of beer. Yeah, so, that was the same episode. Though. Yeah, that was lost. And uh, we found things. And so we're, I'm going through the the things that I know are going to be bad and just getting rid of it so we don't even bother. And then these other things that are big, heavy beers that uh, will be, you know, December, January kind of things. Yeah. That that have been aged. You know, and this is dumb luck, right? They've right. been aged for two years in the bottle, so That's they <laughs> should be even better. They should be great. <clears throat> yeah. You're listening to Beer School. We're here to help you and your friends learn to like more than one kind of beer. There's lots of beers to like. Some beer is made right down the street from where you live, and others have to travel halfway around the world just to get to you. Learn why beer tastes like it does, how other styles came about, and... Oh, the free or gratis or what's the other word? Uh, uh, libre, that's it, that you might find uh, while you travel around the world. The best part about beer school is? The homework. <laughs> <laughs> the homework is beer. Now, normally that's Motor's line, but as you, as you can hear, that's not Motor. <laughs> So, motor ain't here, man. <laughs> motor, motor's <laughs> not here. Motor ain't here. No, no, I'm motor. Motor's not here. Motor. <laughs> <laughs> so with us in the studio today is Gail and Steve from Beers by Bart. Yep, Beer by Bart. And uh, Beer by Bart is a pretty amazing resource, I would say. Thank you. Did that take long? Is that it? Yeah, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, no, Beer by Bart. So the funny thing about this, about Beer by Bart, is that is that I met Gail and Steve kind of in, in the same way that I meet all these people. You go to a bunch of beer festivals. You're hanging out at the Tornado and the 21A and the Magnolia and, and on and on. And you kind of keep seeing the same people. And eventually... You're like, so why are you here? Or what's interesting <laughs> about you? Or, you know, hi, I'm John. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of complicated the thing, the thing, or maybe simplified it, because when we started going to all the festivals and, you know, decided probably around 2000, somewhere around that time, that we, we had to always go to, to bistro festivals. And bistro, the bistro is in Hayward, California, which is a slightly obscure, no offense to Hayward people, a slightly obscure East uh, South Bay suburb. And for us San Franciscans, uh, even though I grew up in the East Bay, it sort of seems far away because it's, you know, it's down over that way. And it turns out it's this little, beautiful little cafe, little little bistro is a, a fabulous beer bar run by um, uh, people who've been instrumental in helping the whole microbrew community develop. And they do great little festivals. And we wanted to tell people about that. And we started sort of brainstorming and saying, 
I wonder how many really cool beer destinations are close to BART. So you could just sort of take the train from San Francisco. So this is first our little, you know, our little exercise. And then we put up a really simple website that just listed how to get to good beer venues, in our opinion, from BART stations. And we made business cards that said to look at our website. And so then we started handing them out. And that was like, you know, it certainly turned us into like these peculiar extrovert people and people would watch us handing out cards and they're like, what are they selling? And then we come and like, here, we want you to see this website that tells you how to use BART and not drive. Um, and it, it, um, it changed everything. We suddenly found ourselves uh, tons of great friends in the beer community. And uh, now this is the point where we should probably stop and say, what's BART? <laughs> BART would be Bay Area Rapid Transit, which is our intercity transportation mode around the San Francisco Bay Area that goes from San Francisco and radiates out to the East Bay and South Bay. Uh, back in its formative years in the 60s, the North Bay, meaning Marin County, decided that they did not want to participate in this uh, uh, rail system. So um, we are left with ferries and buses to get to the North Bay. Um, and we have Caltrain to get to the South Bay. But BART um, is essentially a commuter line, uh, bringing people in and out of the city um, during the weekdays. Weekends, it's pretty mellow. It's an easy way to travel. It's very comfortable. It's in, they're remarkably on time. I mean, they're really pretty reliable. You don't have to wait for a seat. You don't have to wait for <laughs> Not the on the weekends. Not on the weekends. No, no, on the, <laughs> bring your bicycle yeah. very easily. I mean, you're allowed to bring your bicycle most of the time outside of rush hour, but the weekends, it's particularly easy. And the coolest thing was when we put this up, and we sort of done it for ourselves and for our friends around here, and then we started getting, uh, you know, we, we just put this simple site up and left comments turned on and everything, and we started getting comments from people saying, Hey, I came in from England, and you guys saved my vacation and made it mean something. And we're like, oh, my God, we're actually doing an international public service. That's cool. <laughs> so I have some questions about the website. So what's with the shoes? <laughs> the shoes is – Because it's supposed to be by Bart, right? Right. So there's a bunch of shoes on well, there. Well, <laughs> our fundamental premise, the way we conceptualize it is let's try to figure out how many – places for good beer there are within a one-mile walk of any particular BART station. Okay. So we, you know, we did our census and figured out that there was, you know, 30-plus places that would fit this criterion. And then we needed some way to graphically show on the website how far of a walk it would be once you uh, uh, detrain or debus <laughs> or deferry. Um, so each shoe represents approximately a quarter mile walk. So, and it turns out, you know, people often are not that aware of walking distances in the city. And, and the problem is you can't really say it in blocks because blocks are, you know, blocks vary. They're not They're San Francisco blocks. It could be a mile. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or, or you look at, you look at a place like New York where blocks are big in one direction and little in another direction. So the block is not a, a useful unit. So we just sort of figured, well, if people don't know what a quarter mile is, then after they walk to a place that's within a quarter mile, they'll get their confidence. They'll realize a half mile is not that far to walk. 
And uh, so we have actually, we've gotten some nice feedback about, yeah, yeah it was a two-shoes walk. I was like, <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you liked exactly that. Exactly. Two is pretty much the end. <laughs> I but, don't know. I mean, I'm sure that people are like, uh, okay, okay, only, okay. only one shoe. But we, yeah, you can do that. You can say, I'm only willing to walk a little ways. And, and uh, um, Jupiter in the downtown Berkeley station and Ben and Nick's at Rockridge are extremely close to where you get off the train. Those are two that are right there. Um, yeah. Triple rock is a block and a half. Couple, yeah. 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 Couple blocks. But if you're not that motivated, you know, Hey, we'll show you the most lazy place that will have interesting beer choices. It's actually, there's some interesting things on the way to Jupiter and to triple rock. They're yeah. from a bookstore point of view, from a, ah. from a seeing, Seeing the uh, the downtown part, maybe there needs to be a, a uh, an interesting marker. Well, you know that's a, yeah. We kind of on some of the some of our uh, we've been sort of inconsistent about everything because this is for fun and mm. this is not a commercial site. But in our inconsistent pleasure with putting it together and slowly improving it, for example, we decided that people that actually make their beer on site, even if they are part of a chain such as Gordon Biersch or BJ's, but if they're right by Bart, we'll put them on too. And that's kind of not exactly what we think people are going to be interested in, but you know, it's like brewing on premises, part of the whole beer revival in our in our book so when we put bj's on and and that you know they're down at this at tanferan shopping center it's this mm-hmm. big huge huge uh shopping mall and uh what i found interesting about that shopping mall is not that it has the same big stores as every other shopping mall and and that you know that um it's got this this brew pub in it but the cool thing there used to be a really important horse racing track and the uh, the famous and inspirational horse Seabiscuit made his early career there. So there's a statue in the middle of this parking lot that used to be in the middle of a racetrack of this racehorse. That's cool. So to me, that's like the thing. You got to if you want to go there to get beer, you also got to look go out in the parking lot, find the Seabiscuit. That's statue. right in the that's right in front of the BJ's practically. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So like you could walk through the mall, order a beer, go. Oh wait, we'll be right back. We got to go take a picture of the yeah. horse. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I noticed so, that Concord doesn't have the new BJ's on the list. Yet. No, we haven't put it on yet because we haven't been there yet. Oh, we got to go, I guess. Well, right? We want to scout. We've the been we've foot. been to every place on the list. We want to so. we want to walk it so it's not just like looking at because otherwise you could just say, oh, okay, there's a place out there. There's Bart Station. Let's look at Google because we want to, you know, not just we want to go out and say, okay, when to get oriented when you get out you're going towards the hills or you're going towards, I mean, want to give a little clues to people. Cause I know that, um, people have different comfort with maps and navigation. I want this to be real easy. Right. I just want to, I just want to make, make mention about BJ's in that. I think it's a very valuable resource that, well, you know what? We have amazing beer in our, in our community, right? Mm-hmm. We can basically fall down and get a great beer, but not every community has, um, uh, craft beer, on tap and an amazing selection of bottles, uh-huh. right? So just just because it's like, oh yeah, they truck the beer and oh, that can't be good. It's like no no no, go and look at the bottle yeah. list because right. it's a it's a extensively. Uh, you know, I looked at the list at one place. I'm like, wow, I could teach here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's uh, I I had occasion. I, I hadn't been there in a long time, and I revisited the one in Tanferan about three weeks ago. And really paid attention, sat at the bar and 
you know, spent a lunch, had lunch there and looked at, you know, they had a nice thick book with uh, listing their bottles with a little bit about the bottles and the beer in it. And it was very interesting. Yeah. Also, if you if you just happen to like, you know, their amber beer or whatever, I'm making that up. I'm not quite sure what their names of their beers are. But if you if there's a beer that you like there, then that's a great beer. I think the amber so. beer is called Tatanka. There you go. If and that's the, your beer, and that's the your other beer. beer that's good that I like there is uh, the Piranha. Hmm. So, well, for a go. while I heard it on uh, probably credible rumor that they were they were they had a special tap on at Tanfran for some time that was an IPA that was really very nice. It turned out oh. that uh, the rumor be- was that it was being contract brewed for them by Marin, which is an awfully nice place to get your. Uh, your IPA made in an emergency if you haven't got your IPA act together yet. So, so you know, real interesting things happen at uh, uh, at these places that that don't necessarily conform to the idea of a, of a yeah. little micro. A I little think business. if I remember right, they had Speakeasy, I uh, Big Daddy when I was there as their guest. Oh, tap, cool! With, guest with its name on it. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting yeah. too. I don't know. I think the well, you have to know. You know, one of the things is that. Uh, part of that establishment is a big fan of beer, besides just selling, uh, being a restaurant, a That's chain important. restaurant. Yeah. yeah, you know, and there, um, the uh, the head brewer is, he's very specific about what goes on in his brewery and what's allowed to be in his brewery and and the and the things that are the the ways and techniques that are being uh, that are done. And you listen to him, you're like, okay, well, hold on, I got to rethink my whole yeah my whole. Uh, uh, my whole opinion about this because you know I, they did a bad job of explaining that the that they love beer yeah well, yeah I, yeah he i think he presented at the national Health oh yeah mike Convention, mufasa right? yeah, yeah. yeah he's like seven feet tall and he's got a really <laughs> big voice and you can't miss him so so let's see how come we got you know this is the thing about this is so funny like here's this teeny little site with these little descriptions of how to use transit and these beer places and it's so weird how many stories emerge from all of this and for us it's been so interesting because it's um it's you know like all of these ways that you interact with people on the internet it's given us you know it's it's uh, made friends for us we've met people and uh when we traveled since it, we kind of wish there were places like this in other cities there mostly aren't although there's a there's a website in London, and I, I hope I can get back there sometime and use the, the the London Tube Pub Guide website sometime. But um, it's still just uh, just putting it out there has meant that we've met really some really fun people that we've been able to visit when we travel and just uh, kind of let the network keep going. Yeah, I mean the the genesis for this in our mind was. You know, whenever we traveled to a new city, we're always looking for where we can find the good beer in that town or that city. <laughs> it's gotten a lot easier with the Internet over the years. And, you know, in the past, it was hard. You had to rely on print and anecdotes and friends and things. Um, and we were always a little bit frustrated at, you know, the difficulty of, you know, if you have two days to spend in a city and presumably you have something else to do besides drink beer, although that's not always the case. Um, like that, the homebrewer conference that you were talking about. Right. <laughs> right. That, that would be one of those cases. Um, so we said, well, you know, we should do that at least for where we live. 
because we know the scene here. Uh, we can research this fairly quickly, and the research is a hell of a lot of fun. And um, and then we'll be doing a service both for locals because, you know, we, we tend to be a pretty uh, – uh, incestuous group of people who populate the beer festivals and the popular beer bars. And it's, uh, it's easy to forget that in a city in a Bay Area this size with so many people, there are still lots and lots of people who would love to drink good beer and don't know where to find right. it. They just don't. Well, and, it's, uh, it's the idea of vacationing in your own city. Yeah. Right? The, the, um, you know, people are like, dude, don't you want to go to the Grand Canyon? I'm like, been to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> well, don't you want to go to Grand Cayman? I'm like, been to Grand Cayman. Don't you want to go to Hawaii? I'm like, been to Hawaii. Like, well, where do you want to go? I'm like, Concord. <laughs> right. <laughs> Concord's so great in the summer when it's cold yeah. in San Francisco and yeah. there's like fog is in here and it's it's thick and gray and soupy and everyone's got their jackets on. You get on BART, you go to Concord and everyone's wearing shorts and playing the <laughs> plaza and then you go have a beer. EJ Fairs in Concord was another one of our early motivators because we we were told about that place i think bill might have mentioned them i don't remember and uh, bill brand of course is who i'm referring to i mean he talked about beer beer writer and he he early on talked to us about helping develop this idea he because he was a very transit oriented Mm -hmm. person and and uh, so he kept encouraging us to actually put this together long after we started yakking about doing it he mentioned EJ Fairs, and so some cold summer day in San Francisco, we got on BART and went through like three climate changes till we got out, and it was 150 <laughs> degrees in <Wow>. Concord, and um, <laughs> and it was like being in in a different world. You know, we walked three blocks down to uh, Todos Santos Park, and right on the square there, Todos Santos Square, I guess, right on the square is EJ's uh, EJ Fairs brew house. On this- Kids running around the park. It was nice beautiful. Cream, crazy. Yeah. You know, a good beer and a good guest list and a real nice vibe. And it was a real community thing, you know, and that's their community in Concord. That's their one of their local bars. And it's so like you said, it was like taking a vacation without leaving the Bay Area. Right. You know, it was really, uh, you know, you could do it spur of the moment for, you know, the, the five buck, ten buck round trip uh, Bart Fair. Of course, now we also go other places and. I think I realized how interested I was in beer in 2002. We went to Norway, and this was before Norway was the brewing scene it is now. And it really, there was just very little beer of any interest there. And I realized that the lack of good beer was actually impacting my fabulous Norway vacation <laughs> where everything else was was amazing. And we were going to the mountains, and, and I was thinking, the only thing wrong is the beer is not good enough. But, okay, I've crossed a threshold. <laughs> well, there's that. There's a really good brewery in Norway now. The, Many of them. Yeah, the yeah. the beer that comes to mind, uh, which was a surprise, and I bought it once just because I thought the label was interesting, and it's the one with the O. Nogni. Yeah. No, no, or, or, yeah. or, or, or or however. Right. Yeah. I met those guys at the uh, craft brewers conference wow. two years ago, and mm. you know they barely spoke English, and I'm like, I've had your beer. They're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing all these collaborations now. Their beers are, are really interesting. I would not pass up a yeah. chance to try one. And then I just was looking at uh, somebody, some random, one of those random accidental websites that you sometimes come across in your in your beer <laughs> journeys. And somebody had this photo of a whole bunch of um, 
seasonal Norwegian specialty beers. This this year's Norway Christmas beer is available, and I was so excited. And then I realized that the blogger was from England, and I'm probably not going to see most oh. of those beers. But they're really having a renaissance there. It just wasn't happening yet in 2002. We did find one really cool little uh, um, Oslo um, brew pub that we liked, but mostly it's not the scene then. Oh, well, it could be China. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. So Dubai. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the things that I absolutely love about this podcast or doing this podcast is that we get random boxes in the mail from listeners from mostly from the United States. I don't think I've ever – no, I've gotten one – one box, but it did not survive from somewhere else. So, uh, anyway, we're drinking a Heavy Seas, which is the Big Dippa from the brewery called Clipper City. Called which? Clipper City. Clipper City from Baltimore. And so we were talking about this at uh, over eggs, and, <laughs> and and Steve's like, "So what are we having?" I'm like, "Are these beers from Baltimore?" And you got all excited because he's wearing a Baltimore shirt. Baltimore Beer Week t-shirt. <laughs> I uh, had a long planned trip to Baltimore um, uh, paired with a friend's wedding in Philadelphia and then to see an old childhood friend in Baltimore. And when I wrote um, ahead to some beer blogger friends of mine on the East Coast to see you know, if they were available to meet up and help show me around their particular beer scene, um, uh, a friend, my friend Brian Colasar um, from Philadelphia was not going to be in town, but he sent me an exhaustive list of places. And then at the bottom, he said, by the way, do you know when you're scheduled to be in Baltimore, it's Baltimore Beer Week? And I did one of these like, what? You know, it's like the reaction, it wasn't an uncommon reaction. And if... Even when I finally made it to Baltimore, it was sort of their reaction, too. It was like, what are you doing here you know, for <laughs> Baltimore Beer Week? But uh, um, so I wound up in the middle of Baltimore Beer Week, and um, I made a contact with um, Alexander, um, who's a writer for the uh, Mid-Atlantic Brewing News, and he does his own beer blog, beerinbaltimore.com, uh, Alexander Mitchell. And um, he took me around, and he's one of these guys who's in the middle of the beer community there, and he was one of the organizers of Baltimore Beer Week, and this was their first. Um, they were very much influenced by Philadelphia, which, as I think we, we know, influenced the guys around here to yeah. start San Francisco Beer Week. Which is actually my birthday beer week. Oh. <laughs> right. San Francisco or Philadelphia? No, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. That, that's, uh, You're not just cool. saying that so that everyone buys your beer? No, it really week? is. It's, okay. it's, now, right. it's not just SF Beer Week. It's my birthday okay. beer week. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's good to know. Well, everyone I, can have I a expect a T-shirt coming soon. <laughs> um, it goes along with uh, Cinco de December. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to think about that or, or drink some more beer. Maybe I'll understand. This is it. this is interesting. It's one of these these um, double IPAs that's like almost into barley wine territory. It's got so much body and so much maltiness, and um, the hops are nice. It's but it's like it's just like it's, it's like, not it's it's not one of those hi I'm hops no. double IPAs. No, no, um, yeah, so. it's. Uh, 
But I have to say, I have to give a shout out to the Baltimore beer scene. It is remarkably vibrant. Um, I managed to visit at least 10 to 15 different venues over the three days that I was there. Um, the quality of beer was excellent. The diversity of beer was excellent. And the the crowds, every every venue and every special event was, was packed, oversubscribed. I mean, it was really... Um, it is a beer destination. I would absolutely say that if you're on the <laughs> East Coast and you're around, you know, everyone knows the brick cellar in, in Washington. And, you know, and that's all that I've really heard about in that yeah. area of the Mid-Atlantic and Dogfish, of course, in Delaware. Um, well, Philly, I, that's sort of like a little bit. I think of them mm. as like Philly, New Jersey, New York kind of axis, but uh, I don't know why. Hmm. Um Baltimore itself in the city, um, and they may have other challenges and they may have, you know, it's been a city that's been struggling for its, you know, identity for a long, long time and, and trying to rebuild itself. But the beer scene there is extraordinary. I, I just, I was so impressed. And the people that I met are knowledgeable, energetic, and really have built a strong community, um, which is one of the things we like about the whole craft beer movement is the community of it. So is this one that you had there? I did not have this one. Um, I did meet the brewer, or the owner of Clipper City, at an event, uh, and I didn't. I didn't have this one, um, but I had another special beer that he had made: um, a bourbon barrel aged pumpkin stout. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and um, ah, yeah, yeah. how long was it aged? It's going to be aged eight months. He brought one bottle to this special event. Just he was oh, pouring it for his friend. This is pre-aged. So it's not released yet. He said it will be released in eight months. So I'm not sure how long the, the bottle that he brought to, to uh, Riley's that night was uh, aged. But he just poured, you know, a tiny little glass to people sure. who were within arm's reach of him and we walked in at the exact right time and um, my first reaction was <laughs> I don't like pumpkin <laughs> and I don't like bourbon <laughs> but boy this tasted wonderful and he looked at me and he said I don't like pumpkin and I don't like bourbon either <laughs> but this works he said the, the vanilla from the bourbon blends really nicely with the spices of the pumpkin and it just really seems to work and I, I really agreed it was uh, it's a long way from so it's a long way from Buffalo Bill pumpkin <laughs> ale. Um, yeah. Did you try the magnolia pumpkin, the barking pumpkin? No. Why not? I haven't gotten up there because I don't like pumpkin beer. I thought oh. I just said that. We could get by and try that. I mean, we just did. We actually just retasted um, Buffalo Bill, which is from one of the places that's on our list, close to Bart Station. Real old little brew pub, one of the first five in the country. That actually was in the brew pub format, and uh, they brewed years ago. They they came across this George Washington recipe where George Washington didn't get didn't have enough uh, malt around and was using pumpkin for some of the sugars and fermentables. And I'm, I, it's not clear to me that pumpkin pie spice was part of the early pumpkin beer. I think I'm it was sure. really just replacing sugar. Yeah. But uh, it's become the tradition to put pumpkin pie spices in these beers, and sometimes, you know, some of them the base beers better and some of them the pumpkin spice mix is better but you know it's a it's a real popular beer and i just had a glass of it and um we were tasting it next to dogfish pumpkin and the dogfish pumpkin i thought you know it's like kind of more 
uh, more elegant. To, to, I don't know what else to say. Also higher alcohol. So yeah, in some like ways, 10%. I'm like, you're like, okay, this is like a, a really nice beverage. But in some ways, I could see if I'm going to have a big dinner, I might prefer the, uh, you know, the sort of simpler version or one of many simpler versions with a little less alcohol and, uh, you know. It's all just, it's all, it is all context, isn't it? <laughs> it's all about context. Well, that was the discussion earlier of, of, of what's your favorite beer. And the question is, a, has a question. It was like, well, I don't know what's the context. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, if it's, if there's pumpkin pie and there's a, and there's a fire outside, then that barrel aged pumpkin beer might just be the best beer in the whole world. That's pretty interesting. So you know, also we talk, see this is really silly. Here we are. We're on this podcast. People are listening to us, and we're talking about the conversation we had before the podcast that you missed. Okay, it was fun. It and was it, well, really no, fun. no. But here's this is the, this is the funniest part is that is that five months ago we were having this conversation. We we're at twenty one A hanging out, and we're talking about um, reputation based currency. <laughs> yes, we were. And you're like, you know, that writer guy. I'm like, William Gibson. You're like, no, 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 the other guy. I'm like, Bruce Sterling. No, 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 the other guy. I'm like, I'm and here's this whole list of the uh, next person that it could be. And it's like, Cory Doctorow. You're like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, you know, fear and loathing in. Uh, yeah, 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 fear yeah. and loathing in. Or down and out in the Magic Kingdom. That was it. was yeah. down and out. It was. I like that book a lot. It's one of those. And so the thing that's interesting, you know, bringing that story around, because this was like a long, long time ago, this conversation, is that I've since thought a lot about how reputation in the beer industry is the success or the make or break of a brewer or of a really good beer. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that happened in, uh, you know, back in the 70s is that Coors was unavailable unless you were in this little tiny region, pocket of America. <clears throat> and so reputation was, is like, this is a great beer. You got to have some, right? Well, because it was scarce, because it was not available to everybody, everybody wanted it. On the East Coast, at least. Yeah, <laughs> on the East Coast, at least. And so, or if you were in Nebraska and somebody went to Colorado, they would bring back two cases of Coors. And, the you know, all the parents would get around uh, you know, there would be a barbecue that that you know that soon as as soon as they came back, and they're like, "Oh, this is such a good beer." I'm like, oh, whatever, okay, I don't get it. I'm six, and I don't quite understand why this is a a bigger bigger deal than it is. But and so that enters into the enters into this community quite a lot, and we see that from a brewing, you know, from a brew pub point of view, and also from a home brewer point of view. Yeah, well, and on the the scarcity, the, the word of mouth thing is that's that's what makes things magic. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you want to try them. Somebody says this was great. I mean that that's that's very old school, and it's really amplified by the internet and all. The other thing, a scarcity thing, um, we see that on the elite beers too, where you get uh, it's like, hey. Where's my vertical nine from Stone? Hey, wait, it's sold out everywhere. Now I'm like on a mission. I've no. got it. Now I really want, and I'm, before that was like, Why yeah, didn't you, you buy know, it the earlier? vertical series. Like, yeah, whatever. Just yeah, I don't know. Didn't get around to it. Yeah, really. So this is, so then you go, yeah, all these things happen. Yeah. So it, but it, it's really funny because this, these, these um, regional distribution is one thing. And then these one shot special beers are right. the other thing. And suddenly you're, 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 I must get that beer. Right. And, then you, you forget, well, wait, I wasn't, I mean, I, I liked the other ones, but they weren't like must, 
you know, do or die. But all of a sudden, I can't get this one, so it's a do or die beer. Right. <laughs> well, it's like the 080808 from last – we had it on the show last year. And I was like, you know, don't bother uncorking yours if you have one because it needs to age for four years. This specific one, huh. this you know, this was the one that won't be good for until it's time for the vertical. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it was like – you know this out of you know the oh seven oh seven oh seven you could drink that as your everyday beer well we're we're on a mission now to find some <laughs> so 09, 09, 09. You, you went to you you went to whole foods they had it there the other day oh really oh well, well yeah we'll like last week when i was right. buying beer right. for the show they right, had it back. at the they had it at the one over here on Petrero. Oh, okay. Not the. Oh, yeah. I go yeah. by the Fourth Street one sometimes. I'm like, yeah, yeah, anyway, that one. But anyway, so this Petro- must be extremely boring. <laughs> well, okay, but back to okay, but, back to the reputation thing. Yeah. So yeah, that conversation that we had because um, I was talking about after San Francisco Beer Week. One of the things I, that that I mm. was talking to you about, John, was just that um, it was like the perfect adhocracy which is a word in that book. And it was very funny that I could go, you know, that book by that guy, <laughs> and that you would actually, yes. Well, I went down through the <laughs> that, list that of so the funny. possible places where... Who adhocracy could be. Could yeah, be from, yeah. could Any of those guys could yeah. have done that, that yeah. word. But it's a great idea. It's not really... Um, it's not anarchy in any of the sort of cliches or historical references we're thinking of. And it's not bureaucracy. It's lightly organized. It's ad hocracy. Right. If you want to do something and play along, you can. And that that's another reason I think that that, uh, that beer culture is in, in such good shape is there's a lot of that to say, you know, do you want to you want to step up and open a nice pub or something? You're a member of the club, you know. Right. So, or if you just want to be part of the community, you can have a blog or a podcast or be part of it that way or yeah. get a job and as make it your job to promote something or distribute something or pour something yeah. and um, you know you can be you can be a participant on many different levels and that was what was the beauty of of SF Beer Week from what I remember of it uh, <laughs> and and then to see it take off in, other, in the other places it's it was one of those things like oh my gosh there's too much stuff to do mm-hmm. there's no way that even if I was invited to everything I couldn't do 10% of it and so it was okay. I'm going to pick the things that I that are accessible to me, that I can walk home from, that I can, that are affordable, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to I'm going to break the bank on this one this one thing. Yeah, and um, yep. that was, and actually my my only criticism of San Francisco Beer Week last week was last year was people were really good about uh, kind of trying to not have too many things in competition that were too close to each other. And yet when you get sold out events, it doesn't matter if there's right. another fact. In fact, it's good. And my biggest my biggest thing was like, somebody's got to do something opposite Barley Wine Festival because it's always mm. been overstuffed, overfilled people on the street. And this last year, it got more publicity than ever. Great. And so we're outside there walking, watch people walk up and it was completely packed inside and now we're we're leaving, and there's people kind of, and there's going. Well, we heard there was this free festival, but well, um, you uh, know, there should be an event you could walk to because it's true you're not going to get in that room right. now. And uh, it, it, this time, I just hope there's more uh, more events, and that the uh, embarrassment of riches of too, th- too many things to choose from should get even it should get worse because right. that'll be better. I, I'm a huge fan of the secret brewers hang 
uh, lair. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but no, but, and the thing is, is not everybody's invited to that. That's, that's right. the, you know, and you know, there's an accessibility factor to that. And you know what? I love playing wash shoes and smoking cigars and all that, but I, you know, I can't even reveal that. <laughs> but the other thing is, there needs to be there need to be lots of. Well, there I, could... I really like to see. Uh, I well, don't mean like... entry level in terms of of less surprising and sophisticated beers, but entry level in terms of having to know how early you need to be online, right. having to be already on the inside, and some. I mean, there need to be in general for for my sort of waving the flag for beer um, places that you can go if you if you don't really know anybody yet or you don't really want to be part of the beer right. community you just want to try some new beers i think those kinds of places and events are really important well i mean okay for an example uh city beer in our own town uh, is a great learning venue there's yes. always things changing you can try anything there if you need if you need an explanation beth and craig can uh can make that do a do that for you. There's a place in Seattle called Bottleworks, which is the people who are the um, the publicans, I guess, is the best way to describe it. You know, right. people purveying the beer know about the beer, and if they don't, then there's somebody there that does. Um, your uh, local Whole Foods, there's a beer buyer in every one of the stores, so it's not a mystery as to why that stuff is on the shelf. You know that he's right. he or she has tried it; they're a fan of what that is. And you can find you can find the the things there. And the other, since we're uh, on Beer Week, uh, just for a second, and I'm, I've been thinking a lot about it after I talked to the organizers of Baltimore Beer Week for quite a while about how they did it and what worked for them and how they organized it, and it was a, a good learning experience. But of what Gail was talking about. If you look at Baltimore's schedule, they had some flagship events, but there were a ton of other events going on in town the same day and night. So you could make it to the Real Ale Festival right, or not. Or not. And there was like 10 or 15 other events that I wasn't that familiar with the geography, but it may have been in another part of town or, or, or different. And Beer Week here, I think, is the perfect opportunity for local taverns and local bars who maybe don't have the reputation of being the, the, the beer geek kind of bars, but have a fairly rooted community in their neighborhood based on whatever their commonality might be that pour some nice beers and can do an event. They can invite right. a brewer in and have like the page did on Page and Divisadero, mm -hmm. uh, where they had a special event releasing... Uh, Sierra's uh, Smoked Porter last year. I smoked a Prairie Porter. It was pretty nice. Um, and that was a bar <laughs> that, you know, most of us don't, at least I don't, you know, I don't go Page there. Page and DeViz, you yeah. know, I've been there twice. Yeah. 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 But it's not, if you're in that area, you wind up at Tornado or Magnolia or Lembeck or, right. you know, or something like that. But I think it's a great opportunity for, for bars that maybe we don't know about um, to really up their profile in terms of doing good beer stuff right. and, and extending the community so that more people are demanding the good stuff <laughs> right. and and, and uh, makes more of a market and, and brings more people it's in. It's funny, I, I have on my outline, it says location-based reputation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, there, like we, can, we could name 10 things right off, you know, places that we would go as beer geeks because 
we're beer geeks, right? And mm-hmm. we, you know, you've just Steve just named a whole bunch. However, there's things that are not on that list because they're either new or because we don't know about them or because uh, you know we would never consider going there as a beer geek. Uh, and a good, 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 good example of that is uh, Pie Bar. New. Right? Brand new, Brand right? New. Yeah. Pretty pretty amazing. Uh and you know, it's <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it's a it's a extensive beer list, but it's a twelve taps. It's 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 consistent. Yeah. And I've been everything's there, an yeah. excellent example of, yeah. of its style and most of them are local and yeah. really nice. And then the other thing that comes to mind is uh damn it, now I just forgot the what it was. on Valencia yeah. between twenty fifth and twenty sixth anybody's around yeah <laughs> okay you so can, I, you I can go and it that's one of the places that needs to be on your uh, it is it is it is it is? It, is. it is yep yeah we did we added you, it. oh there it is right here yeah. with two shoes it's right. two shoes it's not for it's just over one shoe it's like one and a fraction but we did said fractional shoes were not a good idea a long oh. time ago. well the other one but it's less than half a mile to walk there the other easy. one is um and it's not on your it's not on your list is um 18th and south venice Benders? Benders. Benders. 19th. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 19th you know, and South Bend. Uh, we actually good, need to put, good, bend, good we need to put chips Benders and on. The, and it's a great, interesting urban scene. It's a good It's a yeah. good place. Um, great jukebox. Has pool tables. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's not the attitude that uh, Toronado has. No. Uh, and I mean by attitude, it's just, it's just a different venue. It's, it's different more vibe. spread out. It's... A little bit more like zeitgeist yeah. in some ways with the vibe, yeah. and uh, and I think we originally we were when we first thought of putting them up there, and we we went through this thing where, where it's like we look at this we look at a website of a bar, and if it doesn't even mention beer, we're kind of like, well, they need to get their act together. We can link to them, and it means right. something. At some point, we say, okay, forget about it. If we don't care <laughs> if they do. In fact, in fact, one of our um, uh, what's uh, Cato's in Oakland? Oh yeah, they Cato's. Don't, they don't even have a website. Or is it Ben and Nick's that doesn't have ben, a website? I think it's, it's Ben, ben and, and Nick's. Nick's. Okay, the same owner. They go ben and Nick's Kato's. doesn't yeah. have a website. And so I don't know. Make I went one in for there them. once and I said, do you guys have a website that I just can't find? And the bartender said, if you can't find it, we must not have one. And I thought, okay, there's an attitude about using the... the you know, it would be so easy to do. You could go to Blogspot <laughs> you know, and no. do Ben and Nick's and like do it rogue and... Yeah, but what's really fun is because they don't have one, we get all of the searches for them, and, oh. they, and we give them directions about how to get there. Okay. And they don't have to have one. <laughs> and the, I mean, the, you know, one of the beers that we, we brought today from Southern Oregon um, reminds me when we were up in Oregon, we went and visited a uh, um, new tap room there from Caldera Brewery. Um, they just opened a tap room in the old Rogue Brewery site in downtown Ashland. Mm. It's been different brew pubs and pubs and, since um, then. Yeah. So they, <laughs> you know, we wrote a story about it when we got back and yeah. put it on. And now we get uh, people look up um, Caldera Brewing or a tap room, and it comes to us. It comes to the story <laughs> that we wrote on it. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's SEO just, is a mysterious thing. <laughs> <laughs> SEO is not a mysterious thing. <laughs> It is to me since I don't know what you're talking about. It's not but, a mysterious. Uh, no, no. And the thing is that it's such an easy thing to hack, too. I mean, if you. You know what? We're probably talking about yeah. this a lot of beer people that's, don't know about. That's the next show, the technology. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, this, yeah. This no, no, no. Like sometimes a, we talk about technology. Yeah, we do. Okay, so SEO is one. Is a, it means don't even explain and, it. It doesn't matter, <laughs> but it's a thing that people who run commercial websites really worry about whether or not they'll be listed high when you use Google. And 
it's actually there's a few simple rules and then amateur people can look it up and they can fret about it or not too but it just happens that we kind of wordpress is good yeah. with it and we're good it's easy to find stuff on our it's site not hard. but it's part that was part of our thing you know we if you notice on our site we don't rate anything i think that's a good idea because who are we who cares what we think about a particular beer you don't you know it's it's just that's not important. Well, like this heavy seas, and, for example. Yeah, if right. I say I love this, who, right. who cares? I mean, why, why, why would you care that I love this? I mean, well, and, and that's and, one of the uh, rules. That's one of the in their syllabus. It says, "I like what I like, and you like what you like, and I don't have to like what you right. like." Yeah, right. And and okay, that's good enough. And I'm liking this right now, but quite quite frankly, there's a lot of times when um, these when these big double IPAs. Which I thought were called dipas, but I guess are called dippas because these guys have a picture of the Big Dipper as a pun on the side of their lovely label. The big, it's a dippa. That was a I mean, dipa. You can have How it point to the North Star too. But I guess yeah. you wouldn't want to bottle the right. There way. is a nautical yeah. theme to uh, Clipper City beers, as you've noticed. Or, uh, there's a pirate thing going on on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, But I, anyway, anyway, I, 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 don't I, I love the, the I love the I love the the hop variety thing here. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, yeah, Keel Holland couldn't drag it from me. Five pounds per barrel. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting back, our point for not doing that, for not rating or anything, was that we want these places to speak for themselves. Right. We want them to talk to the community and express themselves the way they want to be. And, you know, so when Gail was talking about, you know, there's a couple of places that don't have websites. That was like a big down for us. I said, well, if you're not going to talk to your people, how can we, I mean, we can mention it and maybe we will, but you're losing a great opportunity to to bring in the, the kind of people we expect, you know, to come to our website, people right. looking for the places to find great beer and not just one great beer at a bar, because fortunately we've reached the point in our <laughs> lives now where you can walk into, you know, virtually any bar and get at least one drinkable beer, you know, either a Sierra or an Anchor or a, a Trumer you know, or, or, nice or something. Yeah. Um, but we're not listing those bars Sam either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, that, that's great. The baseline has, has been raised, you know, so much in the last five to 10 years um, that we feel confident that, you know, the, the ones we list here are, are, are places you can go and have, a wide variety of choices of of good local you know generally local beers or, and or and that you'll find someone there who can actually help you you know learn about it whether it's a bartender or whether it's the person sitting next to you on the stool or the next table will know something and be really interested in talking to you about it and answering your questions and that's <laughs> part of the community of spreading this whole thing right. out and um yeah, city so. beer, city beer, which we mentioned before. City beer is like a little seminar. It's like you're walking in. This is the lab to your beer science class, <laughs> and, and sit down. What do you order? And the person next to you almost always wants to talk about beer. Yeah, and I just think that's wonderful. Um, you know, that's, except on Thursday night. <laughs> right. A little tough there. It's I mean, uh, they, yeah, it's too many people. Crowded. Yeah, it's like you know, Yogi Berra says nobody goes there anymore because it's too crowded. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the second, third one of those today. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm from the East Coast. I'm a big Yogi Berra fan. Who know. isn't? Huh? Well, you know, I mean, I feel a special affinity. Nobody goes there anymore. 
it's too crowded. Yeah. Well, that's true for a lot of places. Uh, I'm not a fan of of uh, Thursday or Friday at certain places just right. because it's too many people and it's too hot and I feel like I want to I want to go to uh, a different venue that night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I um uh, I, I think everybody gets to that point if you're if you if you like to sort of talk about the beer, be relaxed, have sort of a, sort of a civilized even even if dive bar civilized uh, approach to all this then you get to where the friday and saturday night crowds um uh, really become annoying a lot of times <laughs> it's like what are you doing shrieking and 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 hollering and it's like wait wait they're partying come on <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> so gail you're a home brewer uh i'm a very i'm an anomalous home brewer i started Homebrewing, sort of by accident, because I was. You, how do you accidentally start homebrewing? <laughs> yeah, well, like, there's some homebrewing. There's some no, thought what? that goes into no, homebrewing. Like, so you got because you got to go get. I mean, we don't care I'm if you're Jewish or Catholic or agnostic or anomalous. I was in that in that aisle in the in the grocery store, and the hops accidentally fell into the cart. Yeah. I guess I'm going to homebrew now. Now, what happened was this is a city beer story. So. I'm I'm at home. I came home after work. Steve's out somewhere. He comes home. He says, uh, yeah, I was just at City Beer, and I was talking to this woman there who said that she's about to take a class in beer tasting from somebody who's a top-ranked beer judge. And I said, oh, we got to sign up. And so, uh, so was, we signed up. And so it's somebody you knew, right? No. No, oh. it wasn't at that time. So the thing was um, – the thing was – I'm highly distractible, and I was probably multitasking and using my computer or something at the same time I was talking. I often forget details that Steve then later attests that he told me. But um, but I don't think that he said anything about beer, you know, about this being a course for beer judges. I think he said it was about beer tasting. That's but we what signed I was up. Told. Well, anyway, we <laughs> signed up. And so then I'm going through BJCP uh, training class without ever really – I never really heard of the BJCP before I went to the first class. And, and we, you know, we're sitting there at the first – we're going – at the first class, we're going, oh, no, we don't want to be judges. We just want to taste beer with people who know about beer and and, and uh, Oh, that's never happened characters. to them. They're like, what What do you mean you're here? <laughs> it was kind of odd. So then – all right. So and we're like, no, no, we're not going to take the exam. not interested. Nope, nope, just want to taste. So we go through this whole thing and uh, – Two things happen. John Watson, who's the um, uh, grandmaster beer judge on the peninsula who was teaching this, um, he kind of figured out that I was uh, prone to a certain kind of flattery. So he sort of took me aside at the end and said, you know, you, you, pro- you would probably be good as a beer judge. And he made me immediately say, okay, i got to study for the test. So that was the first thing. So I studied for the test and um, uh, took the test, started judging. And uh, I had this great rant for a while. My, my, I love all that sound of like the cork wrestling over there. I got it. <laughs> Next beer is coming up. So I took the test and I started beer judging, which is a kind of a, a really humbling and interesting experience. It's very hard work, and you really sit there saying, does, "What does this taste like to me? And how the hell am I going to describe this?" And writing this up, and really interesting experience. And I told the other people that. I met through this, these wonderful other people involved in homebrewing and judging. 
I said, you know, no, I, I'm not a home brewer. And they would all say, really? Did it used to? <laughs> no, not a home brewer. Just a beer judge. Just like beer for a long time. Wait, wait, no, you can't ever say just a beer judge. <laughs> so then I had this great rant. And I, my great rant was all like, listen, you know, if, if I was writing about or judging wine, no one would say, oh, and do you also make wine at home? It wouldn't occur oh, no, to them. no, no, it would never. It's you, just, as I'm like... I'm not saying beer should be like wine, but in some ways it shows kind of the, you know, it, it says something about the level of acceptance and, and how pervasive it is. And if beer is going to branch out more, we've got to have people who are beer appreciators who are not home brewers who, who cultivate their palate and are part of that conversation. Great rant, really enjoyed it. And then um, after my second competition I judged, I just had this moment where I said, I've got to make beer. And part of it was sort of like, um, I've got to understand the the exact flavors of um, that the beer goes through before it's done fermenting, so they'll understand it and judging. Mm. And part of it was, you know, I just have to do this. So I think I've I made ten batches of ten, ten boiled batches. I'm saying that for um, I, I brought I brought a batch to a boil ten times, twice with with other collaborators, both new women home brewers relatively new women homebrewers and um i've split the batches into about 18 different beers and mm. mostly a lot of them are were just kind of interesting and i have one that i just bottled that i really like but i didn't bring that one <laughs> i found another one for you <laughs> which I, which is pretty which is pretty pleasant i'm pretty but there's one i'm excited about that that needs a little more time that i will also bring you a bottle of that one well, thank so you. it's just it's kind of an experimental thing for me and i love the idea of really small split batches because then you can uh, you can say okay i'm i'm gonna put one yeast in this and one yeast in that and i'll understand exactly what flavor is coming from the yeast or i'm gonna put a different hop in one gallon and i'm gonna, I'm gonna take my five gallon batch and make five one gallon different beers because they have different hops in them so it's kind of like it's like um intensive beer education it's like remedial brewing education i'm giving myself plus i'm getting to where i'm starting to like some of the beers that I make. <laughs> well and i think you know the the cool thing about this and you, you alluded to it a little bit is um and this is part of what sort of attracted you into this is the lack of women involved in <laughs> both brewing oh, yeah. <laughs> and and bar owning and and uh, you know in all aspects um so it's in judging in particular in that you're one of the few female judges now but there's some really i mean not to say there are some some women judges who are really good well, like that's i'm a beginner point. and they're really good but it's sort of the thing where you i think wow even in even in like high tech th circles, I see more female representation in most of the gatherings I go to than in some beer circles. And I think this is just a really odd artifact of this culture. I don't think it's it is what it is, and I'm I don't want to change anybody anybody's reality. I don't care if they want to have like you know if anybody wants to have like all guy beer association whatever I would I couldn't care less. But I think lots of women would love to learn to homebrew because. It's just such a great creative endeavor that that also pulls in as much science as you want, but you don't have to get heavily right. into science. Well, if you look back through history, you find at some point in history, women were the brewers. Yeah. Um, and that it 
gravitated over to uh, being a male dominant job just because of the sheer volume and the weight of things that were being moved around. Well, I think part of that, yeah, it was like sort of industrialization and, yeah. and doing mass qu quantities. But the other thing that was going on from the little bits that I've been reading here and there about history was that um, because because alcoholic beverages are so important in our culture, and were even more so when it was one of the few safe things that you know that you knew wasn't contaminated. Um, the politics around it, and the need for the church to control it, or the need for the different um, the the town grew it provider tax group whatever and I'm, I don't have my notes in front of me for this because I didn't expect to talk about this but there's lots there's lots that I've read that I really thought was interesting that made me see this as not just um, some kind of symbolic you know hey girls you don't get to brew anymore the, the you know it's like the boys are kicking you out of the club it's like not like that it was really a question of um, of just becoming more of a part of the overall uh, bureaucracy and and uh, legal power structure and I think that that uh, that shift is sort of what was the end of the uh, the Brewsters and the Alewives and uh, this sort of really early kitchen tradition I think the kitchen tradition is awesome and I'm all in favor of small making your own small batch of beer why not why not plus now I've got I'm doing ambient fermentations and I have local wild beers in my basement that it ought to be interesting in a few months <laughs> <laughs> what better place to do ambient fermentations than right here? Yeah, where you've got where you've sourdough got ale. sourdough <laughs> ale, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, I figured, okay, I might as well just try everything. Yeah, and I'm really having fun. And and part of my inspiration was this competition called Queen of Beer. And if anybody listens to this podcast and you are a woman who wants to brew or brews a lot or have a husband a who brews well no. yeah if he if no, no 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 yeah, because you've got yeah, all the exactly. gear exactly. right that's the, no, that's the point really of me not point. not not that you can yeah, not that yeah. you're propping up him to help you brew but because the the no, gear is already that's, there and that's true and i actually think it, i don't care whether you learn by helping somebody or not it doesn't matter it's like if you decide you want to brew the really interesting competition it has sort of strict rules that you're supposed to be you know it's supposed to be Women only brewing, and uh, this is why I did collaboration brews with friends who are like we're like two beginning homebrewers brewing together. So much fun, and it's a great competition. It's annual. Just was finished up for this year out of um, Rescue California, sort of uh, mm. in the uh, Placerville area. And this year's champion um, woman named Kelly Floyd lives in Colorado. Won two years ago. And almost every flight of these different, you know, you, do, you judge these different groups of beers and then mm -hmm. they choose the top ones and they put them into a, a best of show group. She had so many beers that went into the best of show. I mean, this is like a serious brewer who's good on lots of styles. And I just think seeing that among women homebrewers is, I think it's inspirational. And I hope, I hope a lot of people get excited about this because I think we, I, I love to see lots of people involved in brewing uh, lots of different kinds of people so that happens in sometime in october queen of beer every year in october so uh, well you know what this is a good this would be a good uh motivation if you know it's in october um there's things that you could start brewing now that you could throw away and or learn from <laughs> yeah. so that a year from now you're ready to go yeah or you, even age well or even age yeah, yeah. like uh 
uh, barrel aged pumpkin <laughs> stout. Yeah. But yeah, you start your barley wine now, and then. But it's true though; it, timing is really important for competitions. Right. And a lot of times, if you're judging competitions, you come across these bottles of beer that really taste stale, and you kind of think this might have been a good beer if it was brewed the right amount of time before the competition. And uh, this is sort of thing that 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 you pick up from judging is to say, you know. People, some people are just lucky, but other people really think about it and say, "This uh, this beer will be good at you know a month in the bottle, maybe two months." And they really sort of figure out: is a strong beer? What? Where do you want it's to? It's hard do? to know. I I know that my I know that a lot of my friends aren't fermenting in bottles anymore. No, right? They're they're they've, they're, they've moved on to the eighteen dollar yeah, corny keg because. Yeah. So then they still need to age the beer a little bit. It yeah, get better. But the idea being that they they take the. Uh, the random out of the bottle. True. And then they bottle it the last minute and put a couple in for competition. Yeah. Do that. You know, it's it's great on the sort of high-tech, backyard factory, amazing um, device kind mm-hmm. of brewing. It's also great on the keeping it really simple with uh, basically half your equipment being kitchen equipment. Yeah. I mean, any way you do it, you can come up with something really nice. Just uh, Yeah, we always forget that it's, it scales up or scales down. Yeah. Oh. So, John, what are we drinking? I don't know. The bottle's over there. It looks like it says Resurrection. Oh. It says I? Resurrection. You don't have this yet. I don't think I have it yet because I was just, like, talking really fast. You're the benefits. Talking, I, get, talking I get to about, drink more beer. Talking about splitting five gallons into five batches. Well, it's. I think it's an exciting way to learn about beer. And the other thing I was just thinking about, okay, so I haven't really done this yet, <laughs> so I should shut up, but I'm going to not, um, not going to restrain myself. So if you use a strainer and think of it sort of as a last-minute at-the-table randalizer, you can actually either you can pour beer while you're serving it through hops or cocoa nibs. It's a real interesting. You could like actually pour a commercial beer. You don't even have to be a brewer, and you can say, "What would this do to it's this a great beer?" Idea. It's really fun. It, there's foam issues, but that's the only real issue. And Just if you turn them deal, off. What? Make your guests turn their phones off before. No foam. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I should yeah. turn my foam off. <laughs> Tile down the foam buy. a little here. Do that's get, that's writer good, at beerschool.com. We've <laughs> got some good foam on this beer. It's, it's like a... It's a little warm. Yeah. Yeah, it got a little warm. Yeah. So this is um, this is brewed by the Brewer's Art, which is in... Baltimore. Yeah, but it says something Rock uh, Ravenford, PA. Okay. Pennsylvania. That's where it says. Oh. Because so. um, I was at Brewer's Art when I was in Baltimore. Well, they must have more than one. Maybe they have a pub. Okay. Interesting. We'll have to look up. Rory's Rory. Ford, PA. Anyway, okay. it's called Resurrection, and it has a uh, what looks like a holy grail on the front with little rays coming out at the side. And then in little tiny letters on the back, it says, a portion of the proceeds of this. I'm not reading that. No, it's yeah. cool. <laughs> oh, I thought it was about the beer. I was <laughs> no, but it is cool. No, read that. I think it's cool. Okay, it's, a portion of the name. proceeds from from the sales. I thought it says ales, but from the sales <laughs> of this beer will go to the local programs 
that help people get back on their feet. Okay, that's so a really go. tiny letters. Tiny little thing. Yeah. It tells what the resurrection name is about. I think that's pretty cool. And I'm sure there's a story behind that logo right there. Because it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it says Best Buy 11-13-10. So we're drinking it a year early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says I had the draft version of this okay. a couple of weeks ago. And the draft version was definitely a little bit smoother. This one has a little bit more of a bite to it. Um because I'm looking at the notes, oh, real that notes I actually that I actually took when I was there, and I had it was very very smooth and and sweet. Um, it has five malts in it and um, five different malts and a lot of a lot of brewery sugar. You know, it's, yeah, you it's can taste very, the candy sugar, yeah. or the brewing sugar that yeah. goes with this. Um, it's like brown sugar flavor coming yeah. through. This uh, just for a second to get back to Baltimore, just because that's what I've been thinking about. The building that the Brewer's Art Pub is in is a beautiful old building, and it's split on two floors, and it's it's a really kind of a schizophrenic kind of bar because the top is real modern-looking, open, light, you know, airy kind of place, and then you walk downstairs, and it's dark wood. I mean, it was too dark to read the menu even for my eyes. Um, just a whole different character. So it was like... If you took La Trappe from San Francisco, you took La Trappe and put Monk's Kettle on the top floor, you would have it's, – it's, that's what it reminded me of because it had like the, the you know, sort of openness and light and mod, modernity of, of Monk's Kettle. And then the darkness, dark wood, brick uh, uh, down in the basement of uh, – it felt like a real Belgian pub. Not that I would even know what a real Belgian – pub is by experience <laughs> we'll get there eventually but um so a very interesting place very nice place and, uh, it's a wonderful ale this mm-hmm. is really nice it has um, it has so many interesting the malty flavors and the and the uh yeast esters they kind of all blend together into sort of these mysterious flavors i think i can't tell where they're coming from really nice i'm glad it got to warm up mm. mm-hmm mm-hmm Wow, could you imagine this is, that this is somebody's local beer? Yeah. That's what <laughs> I said, you know. Beer. I mean, um, there would be worse places to live if you like <laughs> beer than Baltimore, I'll tell you. Um, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, how, you know how we all get stuck on a beer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, and for like a whole week you're into, right. well, well, let's see, last year it was Stone 12. <laughs> the anniversary ale, the anniversary beer from Stone. Yeah, right. It's yeah. like every night. Okay, Stone Twelve. Damn, it's, damn, it's really. And it reminded me of it reminded me of Deschutes Twenty or XX, right? But it wasn't. Right. As, but it wasn't as good, right? But it was still outstanding. Yeah, and there was yeah. no way to get Deschutes XX. It was just a yeah, yeah, gone. Like, quite okay, an amazing. Yeah. we chased all over Oregon to get that. <laughs> Two years ago, we wound up going to Bend. Oh wow! And we went because uh, there was a festival. We looked. We were up in Ashland already, and we looked in the paper and saw. Oh, there's the Ben Beer Festival next week. I bet we can get stone or uh, we X-X. we could do that. So yeah. Deschutes is in Ben, mm. and and uh, Ben Brewery had just won Small Brewer of the Year award at GABF. So, um, I, yeah. I, and and so we decided. All right, let's go to Ben. We'll spend a couple days there, and. Uh, so I called called the shoots. I said, "Do you have the 
double X? I said, yes, we do. I said, do you have a lot of it? He goes, I'm looking at 25 cases sitting in front of me right now. <laughs> so I would say you're pretty safe if you make it over here in the next two days. Um, <laughs> it's going to be gone in three. <laughs> that was really fun. So, um, that was, you know, the thing was is that I had, I think I had three pints of it at the most. One in a one of them was a bottle that I shared, and one was at Deschutes Brewing, and the other one was Tornado. It was there for the the sum total of forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's it's uh so there we're back to scarcity. So yeah. so okay, I was in California during the Great Ascendancy of Coors when you couldn't get it in the East Coast, and I was like, what you know wasn't very interesting to me as a beer. I mean, I wasn't a big beer aficionado because there wasn't that much around that was interesting at the time. Uh, but, you know, like when I, when I was in college, it's like, eh, hey, there's scores and people from the East Coast are gaga about right. it. it. Right. It's very mm-hmm. clean. Not a lot of, you know, like not a lot of, nothing annoying about it because it didn't have very much flavor. But other than that, it didn't seem too special to me at the time. Then I got this... Um, job in Yosemite Valley and uh, I, re- I liked working there and I got trained as a bartender I just turned 21 and I worked for a year in Yosemite and you know, I dropped out of school for a year because I wanted to stay and uh, that was interesting because we didn't have cores because at that time they were requiring refrigeration at all times if you couldn't store the kegs or the cases in a cold room you could not have their contract and there was a scarcity, so they got to, you know, they, they had, there's more demand than there was supply. So right. they got to do that. And so it was amazing. We had to tell everybody that came in there that we didn't have it. Um, and it was fun. It was, it, it was kind of fun dealing with that and realizing that this was a fresh product and some people cared more about how it was transported than other people. It's one of my really early insights into the fact that, you know, beer is, it, you know, it's not the same as uh, hard liquor and uh-uh. so really needs to be treated with some kind of different respect. Um, but at the time, no no real interesting beers yet. And and uh, people ask me, like, what was your what was your aha beer? And I'm like, you know, I never had an aha beer. It was always like, it was like a, a very slow rising tide of like, you know, Anchor, wow, that's really great. And then I, there, I was on to uh, San Miguel Dark for a long time and, um, you know, it's just a dark lager, but it had a lot more flavor. And then my sister came back from, from driving up the coast and she said she stopped at this place called New Albion. And it was incredible. The beer there was like nothing else they'd had. And so, you know, it's just uh, for me, I don't I never had an aha beer. But since people have asked me, I realize that it's a good question to ask other people. Um, so, John, what was your aha beer? He just he's looking wait, 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 puzzled. Second. 